Welcome back to another episode of Aboutcast. I'm so excited to be recording again um, and so excited to be delivering you guys with, I think, one of the most, probably one of the best like pieces I've read and digested on being a better person and one of the skills and techniques or qualities that I think would make you just a world dominating person. But before we get into that, I want to hear how my co-host is doing. How you doing, Julian? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be on this train of self-improvement that we've been on recently, and hopefully it's giving something to the listeners. And it's great to see you guys tuning in every Sunday to Aboutcast. So I'm excited for this topic coming from a very, very reputable source and going to be distilled through our perspectives on these topics. Exactly. And so right before we get into this, I'm going to drop it for you guys just so you won't be holding on to anticipation too much. This podcast is going to be about Harvard Business Review and specifically on their series of books on emotional intelligence. So um, what they do is basically um, Harvard Business Review Um, goes over and pretty much this is going to be a conglomerate of a lot of research pieces on emotional intelligence. That'll be self-awareness and all of that good stuff. And then what they do is pick qualities and research and almost experiment with people that are highly successful. And we're talking C-level executives and true business leaders and then break down commonalities um, and things that they do that we can do to start killing it. And so before we get right into this podcast, we're going to leave you guys off with a short break. All right, guys, hope you missed us. Uh, We missed you. And so right now we're just about to dive into the book. And so these series actually come in a couple parts. So the first one is mindfulness. Then we go resilience. Then we go influence and persuasion, happiness, authentic leadership, and then empathy. So all of those are being covered in the HBR emotional intelligence box set. Um, We're going to not be exhaustive in this podcast, but we're going to hit some really good gems. And so we're going to start off with mindfulness. Julian, what do we got? And I think with mindfulness to to start with is a very, very prominent and great portion of emotional intelligence, all equally weighted and balanced and the sum of the parts equal the whole, etc. But I think, you know, when you're looking at mindfulness and assessing people with strong self-awareness about being not overly critical or unrealistic, um, I think it's a, a a place that a lot of people don't focus on because they're always focusing externally on outside factors rather than internally or on their personal viewpoints of their life. So I really want to progress off of what you just said there. And not only is it kind of this um, introspection as far as understanding, you know, who you are inside, but I also think it is understanding how people see you as well. So there is this element of, and we'll get into it as far as kind of being externally and internally mindful. And um, there's, there's a difference and not all people are the same. Like, you know, if you're internally mindful, it might not mean you're externally mindful because it's very difficult to do. But I think the key is, is, you know, regardless of what you are, um, people that are really mindful um, to the core, just honest with themselves and honest with others. 
And I think that's like, you know, first, probably one of the biggest hitters that I pulled from it is that, um, you know, you got to be like you perfectly just said, you got to be, you know, not overly critical, but not unrealistic at the same time. Um, And in that fine balance, um, there is that cutting edge of being mindful. To me, one of my biggest pet peeves, I don't have many, but is being in the situation where someone is trying to call you out on your actions while being hypocritical or unaware of their own personal values or what's going on in their life. Because I think that's where mindfulness is key, right? If you understand where you're at as a person internally and externally, that's how when you're receiving feedback or giving feedback, you can apply it correctly to who you may be taking that feedback from or giving it to. Because if you're a drug addict telling another drug addict to stop, it's not going to resonate and you're just going to be BSing. But if you understand from your perspective, hey, I personally am affected by this. How do I correct this situation to help others and further help myself by expanding upon, you know, some of my problems or what may be happening in my day to day or my personal thoughts and values? Yeah, very true. And I think that, you know, you touched on one of the true like skills of being externally mindful and the fact of, you know, it's it's important to not only take criticism and be, you know, very good at taking criticism, but also understand understanding where that criticism is coming from. And maybe um, even the harder skill is understanding what is truly going to be beneficial to you. So for instance, I could say, hey, Julian, you know, uh, I'm just going to be real with you. Um, you know, you're, you're an excellent podcaster and you have cadence and timing down. But one thing that isn't really like vibing with the audience is that you fart in the background and (laughs) and that could be something where you know julian has to think like this is criticism um but is it something that is like truly applicable to me or am i just mirroring mirroring my farting habits onto julian so uh, granted, that one was a silly one, but I think one of the things that is very, very important for people to be that are externally mindful is not only is it how, um, you know, being open to criticism, but it is being skillful at taking, you know, breaking down the criticism and taking gems from it and pieces that they can truly get better at and then become a better person from and not always either throwing the baby out with the bathwater or um, taking everything, you know, because just like anything, there's going to be good pieces and bad pieces, and it's up to you to figure out what is what. And externally mindful, that is one key to that. And to kind of dial it back real quick and give you guys another example, you know, we've talked externally, internally. You look at someone who isn't internally mindful might be the person who lacks self-awareness to make a decision that bring on inner turmoil or is treading on buried values. So an example, right? You sign a job offer because, wow, they're giving me $150,000 a year for this gig um, because the money looked good, but you don't look further and understand your core values of maybe you're a family person or you really enjoy outdoor activities and hobbies. And this job has you working 
120 hours a week. That's and you didn't think about you as yourself and your own personal values or goals have now been impeded on by this job that you thought because of the the value or the greed was beneficial to your life. But maybe the money isn't what really drives your day to day. It's your hobbies, your family, etc. And you've created that inner turmoil by not having internal mindfulness or self-awareness. Yeah, very true. And I'll be the first to say that I have been in that situation, not being as internally mindful as I am now to, and I have taken that job offer before. Um, And I think it is, if you can break it down to an analogy, I think being internally mindful is being a skilled person with a map or a compass. If you can understand where you are and where you're going, which is, you know, easier said than done for the most part. Um, that compass will help you guide and make decisions through life events. So for instance, if you knew that you were somebody who internally, um, took a really, really big liking or one of your really core things to you was family time or the amount that, you know, physical health or work-life balance. Um, if you had that and you grasp that really, really well, then you would make the right decision more often than not when it comes to decisions as far as the job goes. Because you know, um, you know, this job's going to pay me a lot, but it's going to be compromising on some of the core things that, you know, I know it's important that are important to my life. And so internally mindful people would probably say no to that. And so I think that that is, I mean, a lot said in there, but I think that internally mindful people are find a lot more happiness in their life and their actual like purpose because they're just that much more in tune with it, specifically in, you know, making life decisions that don't really necessarily have always a clear answer, a yes or no answer to them. Right. And being in tune, I believe it's a key component here because as Jordan and I speak, your personal values or your goals internally are going to be on a completely different spectrum than what Jordan and I operate on. And that doesn't take days or weeks or months. It can take years to find out who you are as a person if you've never thought about it. And that's why mindfulness can be tough to not necessarily master. I don't believe anyone ever fully masters mindfulness, but to become fully aware in considering internal and external factors to create your value and that self-awareness that can benefit you in multiple situations, environments, and overcome many obstacles that on your day-to-day life that you face that may be impacting you in different ways than you would traditionally think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, this, this is something that is, we're talking about deep waters of, um, personal introspection and kind of characteristics here. Um, and so, well, I think that just to refocus people on, um, you know, not getting lost in the actual methodology, uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit of what this actually will do to you as far as, or do for you specifically as people who are possibly internally mindful and externally mindful. So, um, characteristically wise, um, 
the series basically talks about what are the characteristics of internally mindful people. Not only are they skilled with the compass, as I just kind of analogized, but, um, you know, naturally they have a lot better, um, you know, satisfaction as far as their job associated with their job um, and, you know, personal and social control, as well as um, having a lot better control on some of the negative negative like related um you know emotions or side effects as far as they have a lot lower anxiety stress and depression um and then external uh, like externally mindful people being that they are so skilled that one um taking specific parts of criticism and seeing what truly is something that'll be beneficial for them to change or what's not they also um you know they also are very very good at seeing how they come off to people. And so what that means for them is that they're like truly have, you know, some of the best relationships um, and also have some of the best social lives as well um, as far as balance um, because they know how they come off to people. And I think that that is also kind of an indicator of like true empathy um, being I've been around people that are externally self-aware, like pretty self-aware, they are also like excellent with the skill of empathy, which I think is um, core to being good at anything you do, because it is, um, you know, the skill of putting yourself in other shoes. And not only is that emotionally, but I think, you know, being empathetic not only makes you a great person for, let's say, psychology, but it also makes you a good chess player or, you know, a good person at jujitsu or even driving, so to speak, being able to put yourself in scenarios that you haven't been in before is I think what empathy is all about. So these are like true skills that I think are excellent for anybody to gain. And so don't get kind of scared or um, lost in kind of these big skill sets and, um, you know, these things that are hard to maintain. I would say eyes on the prize and, you know, those qualities are something that anybody would want in their life. And I think the first thing that kicks in for some people when hearing about uh, the spectrum of emotional intelligence is looking at this and saying, hey, maybe I'm a little behind on these categories or these traits or these subjects. How do I recover uh, relatively quickly to put myself in a position to, um, you know, further organize or uh, lock into these topics. And a lot of that time it can come through resilience. Yeah. Resilience is a, is a, it's a, uh, it's one of those things where I think that truly you touched on something that I'm extremely passionate about, Julian. It's like, I always tell people or like, you know, I, I tell people occasionally, I'm not like screaming this from the, from the rooftops, but I think if you gave me one thing ever, um, that would like, I could guarantee I'd be successful. It would be self-awareness and take everything away. If you gave me two things, I, I would run a country. I could run a country on two like world-class things and it would be self-awareness and gratitude. And I think that gratitude is, uh, or resilience is a symptom of gratitude. Um, and I, I'll talk about that all day long, but I absolutely a hundred percent believe that, you know, it takes resilience to get good at things and being okay with being bad at things. Um, but and also another technique that this book talks about as far as being somebody who gets better at mindfulness, 
Um, and in some ways, kind of overall general mindfulness when we're not talking about specifically internally or externally, but um, what successful people do, and this is something that I kind of uh, definitely learned from this book is, you know, when a bad situation happens, it's natural for people to kind of in retrospect, try to digest it mentally and figure out what happened. And the big key is they always wonder why it happened, you know. Um, I think everyone's always been there where they broke up with a significant other and they didn't have enough closure and they wanted to know why. Um, well, this book says that, you know, if you want to be a successful person or ask the questions that a successful person asks, you never ask why you always ask what. And so the reason why is because why is a surprisingly ineffective, like self-awareness question and research has shown that uh, we simply don't have access to, you know, our like, you know, all of our unconscious thoughts, feelings and motives that we're searching for. And also um, because it's kind of like this trap where um, we tend to invent answers that we feel are true, but are often wrong. So instead of, for example, um, an uncharacteristic outburst at an employee and a new manager may jump to the conclusion that that happened because she isn't cut out to be a manager when the real reason was, um, you know, let's say low blood sugar. So she's just cranky because she was hungry or something. So instead of asking like, oh, why did she do that? You can say, oh, what are the circumstances that we can create to not have a bad uh, interaction with this lady anymore? Um, and those are the questions that are progressive and, you know, solution oriented and not problem oriented, which successful people are always on. When I take a step back and think on this topic, why versus what, when asking a question or trying to understand a circumstance or an obstacle, I think of why as being very macro. So when someone, you say you're tired and someone says, why are you tired? It boils down to the simple potential answer. Hey, I've been up 20 hours. But when someone says, what made you tired? It could be, oh, is it the gym at 4 a.m.? Then I was at work for eight hours. Then I worked on this self-project for two and a half hours. And I decided to do a night run without eating properly. Things down at a more micro level causing this giant answer or this very simple answer to why is those what factors that go into something. And it's very easy to look at whys as a, an easy way out, but what gives you a better understanding of the foundation that's built you to that place of what had just occurred uh, and the reasoning behind some of those emotional fluctuations or mental tantrums however you want to call it, that are occurring. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's more keyed into your own actions and how you can solve a problem um, with things that are under your own control. Why, I think, is one thing where um, it kind of takes the control of a situation out of your hands. Um, and so that's where I think that the divergence is between, you know, why people um, who ask why are kind of, you know, feeding themselves answers that aren't specifically true where what is kind of something where it's like okay what can i do um 
not the question of like, why, why did I do this? Cause even if I ask it to myself, um, naturally I think, why did I do something? It's now out of my control, but what can I do? That is okay. This is what I can do to help the situation. And it's more, like I said, um, it gets your brain into shifts it into a, um, kind of like, let's solve this problem type of state, I believe, then what, why, why wouldn't do that? Uh, what does, if that makes sense, that sounds like a who stole first type of sentence, but it was, uh, definitely not one of those. And so to distill down this Harvard business review from your personal experience, Jordan, obviously this is a six piece or six volume set going over mindfulness, resilience, influence, and persuasion authentic leadership, happiness, and empathy. From the volumes that you've read, what have you taken away that you can distill to our audience as the first thing that jumped out to you or that made you actively change? Um, so there's, uh, being that I've read all of this, and honestly, I think this is, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, one of the best reads as far as, you know, being on the self-development grind. And this was truly like a gift to me because I designated like self-awareness as one of the things that I want to nail and tackle. And I was eyeing this book for a while, finished uh, another book and jumped right into this one. I think that one of the best things that kind of uh, took away from this book is being that it was I was in a mind state where I was so, so um, I was so ready to um, I don't know. I was in a mind state where I was it was so helpful to see things that I've done that this book talks about. Um, so, for instance, uh, the asking why thing uh, I do that all the time or even when I mentioned um, being not internally self-aware enough to or mindful enough to understand, you know, some core pillars to myself that I would compromise if I did a certain situation um, and things of that nature. But also in the fact of this book, first off, is not uh, it's not a like big read or hard read at all. Um, they do have like really common knowledge and everything's great. Um, but I just honestly like. I'm such a fan of this book and not only because granted, I've been very like oblique with answering. Like I'm not saying, um, you wake up and you do 10 push ups a day and that will make you have a good day guaranteed. Like, uh, I don't think that there's anything that, you know, is going to be that hard that jumps out to this book. But one thing, um, that I now do a lot that I read from this book that I took a note of for sure is, a uh, um, one of the things that they say is, uh, be a servant of the present and the future, not the past. And so that that was a note that I wrote down off of reading some of this stuff. And I think that um, if I can do that and be mindful every day and kind of uh, be emotionally intelligent, um, that'll be, you know, work and deliver dividends to me for the rest of my life. If I'm present now, I'm a servant to who I am now and who I will be in the future and, you know, not worry about the past as far as holding me back in any way. I think that that is enough out of this book to get, um, being that there's more and myriads of gems there. Um, but I think that that truly is great. Um, and the fact that, you know, you think about solutions, 
rather than focusing on unproductive patterns of the past. That in itself is a winner. So if you can gain anything out of this book, first off, I fully want you guys to read this. Like, truly, I think it's amazing. I've already been, like, pushing all my friends and Julian um, and others to kind of, like, get this book and read it. Um, but I think that in itself is just excellent, excellent knowledge to have. Um, and, you know, this is something I'd shout on the rooftops for sure. And there you have it. The Harvard Business Review over emotional intelligence distilled briefly by Jordan and I on today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, check out some recent episodes. We reviewed Indistractable on how to help create focus and understand the difference between distraction and traction. And further back, we looked at Jocko Willock's first book and distilled that down as well. So there's plenty of information if you're on this train with us. Uh, We appreciate your time and thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much. I love you guys. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to keep on delivering some value to you guys as you keep on delivering purpose and value to us. So I'll see you next week. Adios. (laughs) 